It's a trap! Hello and welcome to Radio TCX, your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm Tim Dugan, and I am joined by Carson Ray this week. Carson, how's it going? Hey, everybody. Uh, it's a great day to talk about X-Wing. Uh, and I think today's going to be, you know, amazing. We have a great guest on um, that I'm really excited about. Yes, we were able to uh, pull in Senyong Lim, who uh, you probably might know him better as XY. He goes by in the community a bit, um, but he's a phenomenal X-Wing player. Uh, he's won several championships uh, over on the you know Australia-Singapore side of the world, and uh, he's a little bit of an expert on uh, Separatist Swarms. I know we've been talking about that a lot, but I think this is kind of the ultimate conversation we've had about the subject. Yeah, uh, as you know, I've just been struggling with separatists, so you know, I had to bring on one of the best to talk about it. Help me out. So I'm glad XY was able to join us and help me out. I think it was a really productive conversation. Uh, I know I have a lot to take away and think about and add to my game, so I'm really glad he was able to join us for that and hope it helps you guys. Yeah, we covered lots of stuff today. We talked separatists. We talked about his background getting into X-Wing, and we d dived a little bit into talking about just kind of the metagame in hyperspace on the whole. So uh, this was a super fun conversation. So I guess here we go. Here's our conversation with Sen Young Lim. Uh, all right, so we have Senyong Lim on the line. Senyong, thanks for coming on the show today. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, well, we are thrilled to have you. This is a big step for Radio TCX, our first uh, international guest. Wow. <laughs> really? The first international guest? Really? Oh, absolutely. I, I think we couldn't have picked a better person. Oh. Uh, you know... Very well accomplished, but uh, most importantly, just a very nice, awesome person. So we are glad to have you on the show. Thanks, man. Uh, but you know what? Listeners don't care about that. They care about the <laughs> X-Wing accomplishments. <laughs> Sen Yang, of course, the 2019 Australian System Open champion. 2019 Singapore Grand Champion. Um, and my personal favorite led Team Pacific at the 2019 Coruscant Invitational. Fortunately, we narrowly lost there, but uh, you know, great leadership there. A lot of people attributed uh, the loss for Team Pacific at Worlds. There was a late addition to Team Pacific. Uh, one of the System Open champions couldn't show up, so they brought some scrub um, North American champion in to join the team. And I really think that's the reason why uh, I think your leadership, Senyang, was top-notch. And I really think you did the best you could with what you had available to you. Yeah, well, if you know anything about North America, being a champion of it, that doesn't really <laughs> say much. <laughs> but at least you're a store champion now, Carson. Uh, that's right. That means something. <laughs> So obviously your accolades are numbered and great. Um, 
So we want to talk, though, a little bit before we get into kind of what your your special knowledge, your expertise is in X-Wing. I want to talk a little bit about your background as a player, because I always kind of like to hear where people come from, because I feel like in our X-Wing community, we pull in players who have all different kinds of gaming backgrounds. So let's go back even before you got into X-Wing. Um, be- before X-Wing, were there any, were you playing games competitively, like tabletop games, war games, card games, anything like that? Oh, actually, unlike many other players, I didn't really play other tabletop games or card games, or I didn't even play Dota that well. I was just a scrub. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, X Wing is like the first um, competitive game that I play, and I really love it. Yeah, it's really it's a really good game. Did you always have a passion for other tabletop games? Uh, otherwise, like were there ones that you've just been playing for years now? Um, I did try to get into Key Forge, but after a while, um, X Wing is still better. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I like Key Forge, but yeah, X Wing is definitely better. And I, I mean, Key Forge is a good snack game. We call it because it's, you can just play it in between your X Wing games while waiting for your next game. So, yeah, snack game. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, okay. So, what about X Wing drew you to the game? You weren't really playing tabletop games before that. What? What really hooked you? Uh, what got me to start X-Wing, I uh, was a local guy. Um, my friend Lester, he introduced me to the game. And uh, he was playing, uh, I think in first edition, he was playing uh, Han Solo and uh, Corrin Horn. So he had all the regen going on. So when I first introduced... Sounds when, fun. Yeah, when <laughs> unlimited regen, right? 1.0 stuff. So when I first in, uh, was first introduced to the game, I was really frustrated that I couldn't be. Oh, yeah, so, rightfully so. Yeah, and that uh, that competitive spirit in me was just told me that you know I have to beat him. So that was what got me started. Uh, it was I think November twenty fifteen, and uh, I, my brother got me birthday present. Uh, it was a Falcon and Decimator expansion. So I decided to join my first tournament with it. Uh, I, I think I brought Han Solo and Miranda. Um, yeah, so that got me started for X-Wing. So what uh, what parts of like the X-Wing game draw you in? Because one thing I love about it is I love that kind of like bluffing mechanic you have between players where you, know, you, you have kind of a general knowledge of what players are capable of doing. And then it gets down to the question of like, oh, did they do the three straight? Did they do the one hard? Uh, so like what parts of the mechanics of X-Wing um, are your favorite parts of the game? Oh, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I think it's the poker mechanism that uh, really drew me in. But uh, I think a lot of people are going to go, ew. But uh, the K-Wing bombing, <laughs> I really loved bombing with K-Wings. Yeah. Who doesn't love autonomic damage, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, when you're playing against it, it's a little annoying. But when you're the Miranda player and you get a look at the map and say, okay, let's figure out you know, what I need to do to put the bomb here. That's a fun puzzle to solve. Um, yes, it is. And, you know, definitely, yeah, the first few times you do that, it's really fun. So one question we always ask uh, guests that come on the show is we always like to ask them, if you had to define your X-Wing play style, either using a talent upgrade card or a force power upgrade card, um, what talent or force upgrade would you pick, and why does that kind of summarize the way you play X-Wing? Uh. I would say fearless because I really love to joust. Right. Okay. Right. On. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. Fearless. That's, that's pretty great. baller. All right. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great answer. 
Uh, fits the swarm. Do you feel yeah. like aggression, like aggressive play styles, really, you, you find that pretty consistent across all the lists you play? Like you tend to get into the fight quickly? Or is it yeah. just that droids don't understand fear? <laughs> I, I think even before I was playing droid, I was playing uh, uh, Scum Swarm, and they kind of have to be very aggressive as well, the quad jumpers. So yes, definitely. I think I'm an aggressive player. Yeah, those guys, they need to get in close. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, and what is it about the Joust that you really enjoy? Um, it's about controlling the opening engagement and really get a favorable Joust so that after the first engagement, you have the lead. And then from then on, it's just about securing your lead and not making a mistake. Okay, so you, you like getting that lead early and then play and protect the lead after that. Uh, yeah, so offense first, then defense. I think I'm doing this game all wrong. <laughs> well, maybe at the course on Invitational. Um, so I, I want to know, uh, Sinyoung, what do you think uh, the skills that make you, an, you're clearly an excellent X-Wing player. I think you've got enough, you know, high-ranking tournament finishes here, enough championship titles to say that you're a good X-Wing player. What skills do you bring to the game that give you that competitive edge where you, you tend to perform pretty well at major events? Oh, I think before I answer that question, I think, Winning tournament, uh, it's really a combination of, uh, I think, skill, luck, and uh, um, good matchups. So sure. I think luck played a part, but um, I think most of it, I got lots of practice because I really love this game. So I, I have the opportunity to play against many skilled players in a small but competitive Singapore pool. We have, uh, you know, the ex-world champion, Justin Poir here, and we have many other great players. Do you get to play against Justin a lot? Yes, actually. I, I honestly like his uh, meta calling during his world championship. He's one of my favorite world champions we've had. We've had a lot of fantastic players obviously take that title. But his meta call was so perfect at that point in the game that I really do respect him a lot for that. Yes, uh, it was a really great list. And um, we were all you know, playing against that list before the, he went for world champion, world championship. Uh, so... Yeah. I, no, he was... just went straight for world champion. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> okay, so you've played against a lot of players from around the world now, traveling around. How would you rank the Singapore players um, against the rest of the world? Oh, wow. Um... You don't need to be humble. <laughs> okay. I mean, because from what the rest of the world has seen, um, from the small sample size, pretty strong yeah yeah I, I think you're right we have a really small pool of players but um when we go overseas for tournaments i think we do fairly well so i would say that we have uh we are we have quite good players here yeah yeah i mean there's a lot of us here in america and yeah, <laughs> yeah our <Okay>. strategy <laughs> about getting good american players is we just like shoot a bunch of arrows at the target and hope a couple of them land in the bullseye yeah. <laughs> and we have a lot of X-Wing events, right? <laughs> we can always win the next tournament, right? That's, that's our <laughs> mentality. Okay, so back to what gives you a competitive edge. Obviously, practicing with some of the best. Um, that's been a really proven um, measure of success. That's what I attribute any of my success to is the people I practice with. Um is there anything about you in particular as a player 
um, you know, when you, you put in the practice, you figure out the right list with your team. Um, but then when you're at the table, you know, against someone else, is there anything that you particularly do that you think gives you an edge? Um, I think maybe one of the one of the things that I like to do is to come up with uh, unconventional lists. So um, as you can see, the two lists that I brought to Australian System Open as well as the Singapore Grand Chair are quite, I would say, quite special lists. So I think one of the one of the uh, key elements in a X-wing competitive game is the element of surprise. So if you do not know how to play against a list, you will have a you'll be at a major disadvantage. So probably the weird, weird ass list gave me, a, gave me an advantage. <laughs> I think so. Well, and I think there's something that's definitely true to that too, where uh, like part of the benefit of being kind of a list innovator is that um, strategies can develop to counteract lists over time. But if you're the first one or one of the first people running a list, those strategies clearly haven't developed. So that'll give you a leg up on the competition. And I think that is a definite skill in X-Wing too, is being able to uh, enter a tournament environment, figure out a weird new list that people aren't expecting, and then be able to take advantage of the lack of knowledge there so that you can win your games just because you've developed strategies people aren't prepared for. Yeah, definitely. I remember, I think during the Australian system open, every single game my opponent asked me for cards to read the text on my card. Of course, card that's a good sign. Because what the card does. <laughs> that's a good that sign. That bodes well really for you. Sign. And then do you hand him the Singapore version? <laughs> no, no. Um, it's the same. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I mean, that Dooku Swarm, like, you know, there's a lot of versions of the Separatist Swarm, but that's definitely the most unique. Yeah, I really love that list. <laughs> What's been funny is to see other people really struggle to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's not a simple one. So, Sen Young, uh, looking forward to this coming year. We're kind of in the start of a tournament season. We've got system opens going right now. More coming in the next several months. Um, do you have any goals you have for the 2020 season? Obviously, you had a great year in 2019. Uh, two championships there. Uh, and then, you know, leaving Team Pacific at the Coruscant Invitational. Um, what, what are you looking forward to in 2020? What are your goals as a player? So for me as a player, I've found that goals are really important. They give me something to work for, to build to, um, really motivate me, and have me set realistic expectations. Although this year, they might not be very realistic. <laughs> you also had a great 2019, <laughs> so yeah, it's hard to... <laughs> so uh, I think it was a really great 2019 season for me. Uh, like you said, uh, really was a blast. So... Um, to be very realistic, uh, matching that wouldn't be so easy. But you set the um, bar pretty high for yourself. <laughs> yeah, I did. But uh, for twenty twenty, probably just uh, I'm definitely going to attend uh, Australian System Open as far as Worlds because I've got invited to Worlds. Defend your title. So probably have a good time. <laughs> Defend my title. Have a good time. And for Worlds, my uh, probably my goal is to just make the cut because I did not make the cut uh, last year and it was really. It was quite devastating to me. It was uh, I, my record was four three, so just one game short of making the cut. That hits really close to home for us yeah, too. Yeah, that's, that's. Hey, you are ready to be a TCX <laughs> host with a four three <laughs> record in perfectly with me, John, and Carson. Both of you as well, and John. Too. Yeah. All oh man. Us. Yeah. Yeah. And John. <laughs> um, that's why we brought uh, Paul on to make us look good. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Paul, Paul was the one who gave me one loss. Oh. Paul, <laughs> yeah, 
Well, he don't worry. We're much nicer to you on the podcast <laughs> than we are to Paul. He's a constant, constant object of harassment. <laughs> a lot of people don't even know his real name is Paul Nelson. Right. So I don't know about you, Sen Young, but for me, after getting that narrow defeat at Coruscant, my main goal is just to get back there and get a second try. Yes. Um, see you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> hopefully at least one of us makes it i you can only get one chance at a system open though so that's that's a little tougher yeah and i already messed up one carson so. as much as i like you i think the goal for the rest of team pacific you know potential contenders should be to, to get better players than you Stay yeah. away. <laughs> <laughs> all right but carson how, how did you do for coruscant again how many games did you win i went two three Two three, but with matchups, I think I should have gone three two. So, lost one more than I yeah. should have. I think I also went two three. You know, so yeah. But Senyang, you had to carry yeah. the. They don't you want had us to back. carry the burden <laughs> of helping decide Carson's matchup there, and you were doing so much work to help him. I really can't blame you for going two three at the event. <laughs> right, right, right. You guys are great. <laughs> All right, so let's let's move on to the main reason we got you here to make um, fun of Carson. So was, please go ahead, just well, free reign for a it's. Minute. I need help. <laughs> so <laughs> when I reached out to you, is hey, I need help with separatists, um, and I want you to help me. But I have a condition, which is you have to tell everybody else <laughs> how to beat separatists as well. Oh, I'll be um, happy to do that. See, this is why you're the best. Um, so nice. You know, renowned separatist player, just telling everyone else how to beat them. Well, I remember uh, you started the Jedi frenzy, right? Yeah, <laughs> that was Carson's <laughs> fault. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. your fault. Yep, none of us are innocent here. I'm pretty innocent. Uh, but the separatist swarm, you know, continued to be really popular, uh, particularly in hyperspace. Actually, it's been great in extended too. Um, most of their best stuff isn't extended, but they're still pretty good in hyperspace. I think particularly because they get that 19-point vulture, um, those one-point struts, which are just great, and there's so much you can do with it. Yeah. Um, obviously, they're not the best thing in hyperspace right now. Uh, Scum's looking pretty dominant, but me, I am struggling with the Separatists, so... I need some help and figured I'd call in one of the best. Okay. Let's try let's try to figure out how to beat separatist swarms. Alright, so of course, big starting point. Uh you know, give us some context. What are, you know, the top separatist lists for hyperspace? What's your favorite? Um, what are the top separatist swarms for hyperspace right now? I can't say, but my favorite would definitely still be my uh, Dooku Swarm. Uh, it is still legal in hyperspace, as many would have noticed. You just need to drop one strut on one joint. And yeah, that's my favorite Separatist Swarm. Could you break that for down hyperspace. for us, too? What's what's in that list? Okay, so you have a really fat Dooku. Um, he has a heightened perception, tractor beam, the General Grievous crew, Simitar title, and K2B4 relay, and which I think... Uh, doesn't really fit in any any other list, but this one. And uh, six droids, five of them with strut, and one without strut. That's all. 
And wh- what makes this version um, your preference over uh, higher ship count swarm? You know, where you don't have the Dooku, you just have you know the eight eight ship lists. Um, it's the shenanigans and tricks that you can do with the list because of combination of heightened perception, tractor beam, K two B four. So you make your opponent make a really bad choice in choosing whether to take a strain or to give an evade to your joint. And then after that, the track follow up tractor shot that gives it a gives it a tractor token. Yeah. So, and then all your joints go pew pew. <laughs> yeah. And you just tear them up. Yeah. So uh, in, on the hyperspace side, we did see a bit of a change because obviously separatist swarms do well both in extended and in hyperspace. You have some more limited options though when you're working on the hyperspace side. Um, and one of those big changes has been that you don't have access to the uh, Belbo Lab, right? So you're not that was a kind of a go-to platform yeah. for uh, relays, right? Tactical relays. Yeah. So I think Separatist Swarm in hyperspace really took a hit because of the lack of Seer, Seer's ability as well as Seer as a carrier for relay because it's really hard to kill uh, Belbo with Solus one. Absolutely, yeah. Yes, your your options are either the hyena or the Sith infiltrator. Hyena's a little squishy. Um, it's not quite as survivable as the Belbalab, but of course, the Sith infiltrator, uh, pretty resilient. You know, got a lot of health, got a big gun on there, but it's a little yeah, pricey. Yeah, take up an extra ship slot and, and some upgrade slots, right? Yeah, and it's difficult to fly because it's a, a large base ship. Right, so you can't just fortress in the corner with that one as much. Yeah. So how do you feel about um, you know a trend? Because there's kind of different ways you can go then. You can still opt to go for the tactical relay route and include either a hyena or the Sith infiltrator. But we're also seeing a lot of players opt for a more ordnance and munitions heavy variant. Um, what do you feel about running those kind of variants in hyperspace? Do you think there's some definite cons to them, which is why you don't run them? I think that the only non non the only non relay um, separatist swarm that I've seen to be very successful is Duncan Howard's uh, list with uh, six droids and two hyena bombers with plasma torpedoes. That is really good. It sure is. Yeah, I mean the combination of discords and yes. traditional munitions. Um, it's really difficult to figure out how to approach that. Yeah, and what do you kill? Do you kill the hyenas? Do you kill the droids? Yeah, so it's a tough choice. Well, if you're like me, you're probably not killing any of them, but you try. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, is an ordinance heavy? Like, is Duncan Howard's list something you would pursue though? Um, or is there what? What are the reasons that that's not the variation that you're preferring? Um. I would try the list if it hadn't won a major tournament before. <laughs> but now that it has won a major tournament, there are two problems. So the first problem being that uh, people know that list and people know how to play against sure. it. Or maybe people have thought about how to play against it. And the second problem is I'll just be a copycat. <laughs> <laughs> too mainstream for you. Too mainstream. <laughs> no, I mean, I do think that is pragmatic. Um, I mean, because that's what I do. I look at, okay, what's winning and how do I deal with that? Um, and so I think it's very reasonable to want to avoid um, list of people practice against. I take that approach quite a bit. Luckily, nobody wins with resistance, so it's pretty <laughs> easy. I can just keep flying that stuff. And they have to read your cards every time. 
it's it's heroic. Everybody knows what. It <laughs> no, you don't have to read heroic because it doesn't do anything. Um, okay, so one of the things I've found particularly tough is when I get paired against a separatist opponent, and you know, there's a lot of ways you can build a separatist form. Yes, there's some that you've you see more often than others, but usually it's always a slightly different combination. They're going to have a lot of ships. Um, there's probably going to be some number of grappling struts. Sometimes there's a relay. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes there's probe droids, supporting munitions. Um, when you get paired against a Separatist player, what should you be looking at to start to get an idea of, okay, how is this swarm going to function on the table? What do I need to start thinking about right away when I see my opponent's list? Right. I think most uh, most separatist swarm players bring uh, asteroids. Asteroids. Um, but I've seen um, I've seen Paul Olsen bringing a list of separatist swarm without grappling strut with uh, gas clouds. So that is pretty interesting. So probably the first thing to look at is the asteroid. Uh, no, the rock rock choices, as well as whether they're strut, and then you figure out how they play by looking at their opening engagement, maybe, um, and look at the relay carrier. Is it carrying TA-175 or is it carrying Kraken? Yeah, I mean, I think each of those relays does give you some idea, um, particularly, you know, once you start um, engaging how those are going to go. But TA-175 is so good right now in the hyperspace. It's not not really a reason why one would bring Kraken. It sure is. Yeah, the new rule change like has made that one quite a priority. Yeah, the new rule change is yeah, just stupid good. Yeah, I think there's a player comfortability thing too um, between those two relays where I think pro- generally the technically better choice would probably be TA-175 um, just because it's so good right now. I do think there is something reassuring though about having uh, Kraken just holding onto those tokens in anticipation and then not having to think so much about when you engage, like which ships are going to blow up, which ones do I make vulnerable, um, all those questions. But I think, yeah, generally the TA-175 choice is the better choice, far and away. Kraken does work work better with Discord missiles, though. That's true, yeah. You get the tokens, um, you have the more guaranteed um, execution for the tokens, right? Hey, wait a minute, we're supposed to figure out how to beat the separatist song, right? Not to make <laughs> it better. Enough. Sorry. Right, right. I'm doing this wrong. Yeah, Tim. Come Maybe on. this is why I keep losing. I give them <laughs> advice while we play. <laughs> I think the grappling stretch point, though, I want to go back to that, um, which is because when Paul was running uh, no grappling strats, or I think, what, was it one? Did he have any grappling strats in his world's list, Carson? I don't remember. Um, he had a limitation, <laughs> right? Because he went to the I3s, so he went to higher initiative, because at the time he. And I think he was right. He thought that was a more valuable decision there. Um, generally, though, I feel like I see grappling struts at least in a portion of every Separatist swarm. Um, and, the, and, I mean, grappling struts are insanely powerful. Like, I don't think we can discount how effective they are and how good of a tool they are to be able to just sit in one spot and just spin around like a mobile turret. Right. Okay, so let's, let's jump to the obstacles then because... Um... You know, traditionally how I deal with swarms is, okay, I put my big rocks uh, in the middle um, and have them, you know, have to work around that. But um, the separatists don't have to engage in the middle if they don't want to. And they also generally don't care about those asteroids because they can just land right on them and spin around. 
with those struts. Um, so I think the natural conclusion is to bring gas clouds. Um, but I guess question for you, XY, is, you know, what should I be doing with those gas clouds? What should I be doing with their rocks? Assuming they brought big rocks, they brought struts, what can I be doing in setup to mess with their plan? Well, uh, we all know that turn zero is especially important in X-Wing. So if you brought three gas clouds against a separatist swarm player who brought three asteroids, uh, what you can do is take one of the asteroid and place it in your favor. And then after that, they will, they will likely take another asteroid and then you take the last asteroid. So you're choosing to place two of their asteroids. And then after that, um, the gas clouds. So can if you're in anywhere. my shoes and you're playing against a swarm player and you get uh, initiative or you get first player control, so you get to pick an asteroid, they pick one, then I pick the other asteroid. Um, what, where am I wanting to place those? Because me and Carson were having this debate previously when we talked about swarms about um, do we put them closer to my edge? Do I try to split them up as much as possible? What, what do you think is the thought process for someone facing off against a swarm placing those asteroids? Right. So against a traditional swarm, as you mentioned just now, it just placed rock in the middle, right? So I think this goes uh, for uh, a separatist swarm without grappling strut. So you can still place uh, an asteroid in the middle. Um, against a separatist swarm with a strut, you need to place it, I think, at the corner near near the separatist swarm's player's edge. So that when they fly out, because they are really fast, uh, that rock is basically out of the game. Okay, but sometimes they sit in their corner. I feel but, like there's no safe place to put them. <laughs> Senyang, Carson is fuming right now because when we had this conversation uh, last week, uh, you're saying pretty much exactly what I said, and I just feel really validated right now, and I want to say that you're my favorite guest we've ever had on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's sometimes good spots to put asteroids. What about gas clouds? Are there any particularly good spots to put the gas clouds? Right. So as a separatist swarm player, I hate it when my opponent put the gas cloud in the middle because gas clouds do help. Um, okay, let's say I'm going against an uh, ace, going against aces. The aces benefit from gas cloud more than the sure. Trade Federation drones do. So in the middle. Right. Yeah, just... If my ship's behind the cloud and gets cover, I'm pretty confident that those two dice attacks aren't going to do anything. Yes, exactly. Right, so that can be a huge advantage. You just have to put it in the right spot so that you can create that scenario. Yeah, I think rock placement is really important in this game. And a lot of games I, I see, they're just... The rock placement just um, gives the player so much advantage. And people really have to start uh, taking note of their rock placement. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we got the obstacles down. Now we are going through the opening turns. I'm assuming the Separatist player is going to set up before me. Um, so at that point, is there any information I can get to start understanding how the first few turns can go? Because if I can gauge how they're going to move in those opening turns, I can start setting up my optimal engagement where I'm approaching them from multiple angles. Um, so... You know, you can look at their list for some help. Is there anything else, you know, looking at how they deploy 
um, to give you, you know, some insight into how they're going to move through the table. Right. Um, so separatist swarm usually has uh, eight ships, seven to eight ships. I think this is usually eight. So when there are eight ships um, on the table, the deployment, and if you place, if you corner a rock, um, they can't place all eight of them facing, facing the front. So if you see your opponent putting, um, I think two of them facing towards the other droids, it means most likely those droids are going to go two straight, three straight, or five straight. And then the rest will just turn in and barrel to stay behind them. Um, I have also seen an alternative deployment, all of them facing the side away from the bot edge. So that probably means that they're going to stay on their side of the table and then just turn in whenever the opportunity seems right. So that is one, one tell sign. But the Trade Federation drones dials are so good because it has five straight, one heart. So there's really no telling sometimes. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a common problem. Yeah, they can really catch you off guard um, if you guess wrong there. And a lot of it depends on individual play style. So yeah. Cool. So there's no easy answer. They're just going to do crazy well, stuff. you know, Carson, he can't give us all the secrets. <laughs> no, I, I think that does help. Um, that's right. Um, I mean, like, it is difficult, but I think when you break it down and really look at everything they can do, you can start to see some trends. Well, I think there's just some um, unavoidable facts about what makes the Zep Swarm good, right? Like that dial versatility of being able to go from a one hard turn or a five straight and either of those be viable options at any given time. Like, that is just one of the perks they have. So that's one factor you really can't... Uh, like try to play against because that's just something they're good at. They're unpredictable in that regard. So you're just going to have to find uh, the other areas where they're not unpredictable. Right. I mean, and that's not unique to those guys. I mean, like my resistance, a wings are also pretty hard to set dials against as well. And tie SFs, right? Yeah. yeah. It's just a trait of a good ship style. Any yeah. Direction. Sure. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do want to add one um, point. I do want to add one point when you're playing against separatist swarm. I think it's uh, the pre-engagement uh, from the first turn of combat that matters because as a Swarm player, sometimes you're paranoid. You do, not, you do not know whether your opponent is engaging you. So let's say if you want to do a pre-engagement barrel roll, if you want to be safe, what would you do? Would you link action to a calculate? Right. That is something I have noticed where I have seen players generally tend to favor linking, just getting the calculates because they're not sure what's going to happen. Yes. Um, because there is a lot of blue. But that does limit the speed of their turns. Then they are going to be just limited to that two turn. Yeah, so oh no, after they just are, a blue they are hard stressed. Turn. <laughs> but that does mean that after they are stressed, the next turn they are just going to either go straight or go hard turn two. Um, and if you can come in at the angle of 45, you will have some kind of advantage. Right, and that's where Boba Fett's been great because he can... Banking. Well, and this was a big one that Carson would hammer home over time, where the the fact that the separatists have to commit really hard to things generally, especially when they're stressed, um, is a huge deal. And I think you have to, as a player playing against them, have to really look for those opportunities of, I mean, even though they still have some good maneuver options while they're stressed, they're not going to be banking in. So if you're leveraging, you know, coming in from two or three different angles with your ships, um, that's going to make it a lot more difficult for them to like pick a direction and commit to something. 
Yeah, definitely. All right. So here's the part where I usually really lose it. Um, and that's where we get into the mid game. Cause I, you know, I can dance around the board, set up an engagement. Um, but then once you're kind of committed going into the mid game, that's where things get a little dicey. That's where I think the real power of the separatist swarm does shine because with that dial, they can, you know, move a lot of different ways, create blocking, um, um, setting up um, real focused fire. Um, they can also just switch directions and pick a new target pretty well. Um, so after, you know, that initial setup, you know, maybe you take some range three shots. My big question is, okay, what do I do next? Um, and I think to break this down, we'll just go through kind of all the hypothetical scenarios. So approaching them from multiple directions. I think if I approach them head on, unless I'm running uh, just a straight efficiency list with slightly more initiative, um, I don't want to do that. So I'm probably going to be flanking, approaching them from multiple angles. Take some range three shots, and hopefully I'm ahead. Maybe I half one or pop a droid, get lucky, and don't take much damage back in return. At that point, what should I be doing when I'm setting that next dial? Right. Um, I think it depends on what tools you have for your ships. If your ships are quite maneuverable, you can you can then choose from the options of disengaging. Um, and I think if you can disengage safely, that is definitely what you should do because uh, there's no point getting into the gels uh, in the second turn of engagement because there are just so many bodies of Trade Federation drones there. They can really clog up the lanes for you. So if you can safely disengage, I would strongly suggest you do. Or you can press on with the, uh, with the gels if you are really sure that you are going to get some quality shots and not going to get blocked, and then you can continue to kill some joints. And I think that's uh, really great advice too, because I think uh, one thing that I discounted about the steps early on is that uh, the network calculations ability, being able to share those calculate tokens, is powerful in pretty much all contexts of that list. One area where it's really strong is when you get into the kind of the scrum of the fight. And uh, I found disengaging is a really valuable strategy because if you don't, sometimes they'll just get off these clutch blocks and, you know, maybe even forced bumps on themselves where they don't get a calculate. But since they're still sharing the calculates with network calculations, they don't even need to get a token themselves to modify their attacks, which if you're presumably flying fewer ships than them, their blocks are way more valuable than anything your ships can do. And just getting some naked shots off after a successful, you know, first engagement, um, you might just quickly swing that game back against yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like to think of the Separatist Swarm as uh, essentially a one-ship list uh, as opposed to an eight-ship list. It just gives away points 10 at a time when you start having droids. Yeah, and it's a one-ship list that can shoot eight times. Uh, it can take yep. eight actions. <laughs> <laughs> well, like that mentality is hugely important too because right, one of the normal limitation of a smaller ship count list would be that you know they're more susceptible to things like being blocked or if their shots just don't work out, they get fewer of them. Whereas you kind of get the pros of having kind of a, a play style that's like flying one ship, but you don't suffer any of the penalties. Like, oh, cool, you blocked one of my drones. Great, there's six or seven more ready to go. 
oh, one of my shots didn't work out. Great. There's six or seven more ready to go. Well, and yeah, like the individual vulture sucks. Like nobody wants one vulture. Um, <laughs> so you don't really want to spread them out, but together they're like one of the best things ever. So that makes sense. I think that mentality is probably part of your success. You know, just keep the swarm together. So let's look at a scenario that's uh, pretty common to me uh, where I don't have a successful first engagement. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, this this is the, yeah, this this is the one I'm normally in. This is the one, one where I need the help. But let's say I, we have a first engagement at, at range two to three, and it's not favorable for me. I take some damage or I lose some ships, and I don't have much to show for it. What should be my mentality then? Right. The vultures yeah, evade they're everything. they're just fine. What should be my mentality? Common. What should I be trying to do at this point in the game to get control? Um, concede? <laughs> no, sorry, Sanyang. When I'm, I'm just when kidding, I'm not I'm just playing kidding. you, when I'm playing someone else like Separatists. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'll say if you take an early loss, uh, you kind of have to go for higher risk uh, choices in your next uh, turn. So high risk, high reward. Because if you're already at a loss anyway, so uh, I mean, if you're already losing anyway at a disadvantage. There's no point going for, uh, not not to say no point, but there's less value in going for the safe, uh, safe maneuvers and safe uh, uh, options. So likely you need to take a higher risk for to turn the game around. Does that just mean like blast into range one and hope I uh, get some initiative kills? Yeah, because those vouchers do really pop if you can get some range one shots. So is on that them. is part of that? what you're saying kind of the mentality of um, if the separatists are going to lose, it's going to be more of a slow burn later on. Like I'm not, if I don't get aggressive, I'm losing. Like I said, I'm losing at this point in the game. You're saying go high risk, high reward. If I don't make a big swing now, it's just not going to happen later on just because, you know, I'm taking 10 points at a time, getting half on vultures. I think it depends on the clock. So look at the clock, see how much time you have left uh, and see how many turns you are likely to get. And then just make an Well, if it's position. like turn two and this is happening, if I'm playing Paul Olson, I guess that's like 10 minutes. If it's someone else, it might be 45. I'm not sure. Yeah. So so that really depends. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like the Separatist Swarm is, you know, one of the best at holding on to the lead um, just because their power is when they have all their ships on the board. So if you're not able to take any off, it's going to be tough. And especially when you start losing some, it's just going to get harder. So I guess we'll just plan on avoiding that scenario. Um, okay, so here's another one where those opening shots, basically nothing happens. They dodge everything, and then they throw two dice attacks back that don't do anything. But now our, our ships are all pointed at each other. Um, there's not really a great disengage. Um, do you try to you know still move in for those range one shots? Um, or, you know, look for opportunities to disengage and come back for another approach? I think those two, both options are viable. Um, and it will really depend on the bot state and see, just look at your disengage, uh, disengagement options. If not, uh, just go for the joust. Uh, that, that's not an easy question to answer because there are so many variants uh, on where the ships are, and what you can do to help yourself gain an advantage at that point of time. 
But if you can't do any damage, you disengage, you are just going to have to pray <laughs> to the dice god and win the final salvo. I mean, if it works for Zach Bart, um, rip Paul Olsen. <laughs> yeah, it worked for... <laughs> <laughs> that's true we have seen that that's clearly a winning strategy hey carson what's better oh. five or seven uh clearly five, five. yeah definitely five <laughs> hey so so a funny story is i had a game against uh justin uh in i think in 2018 or something like that um we actually went for final salvo and i had 10 he had 12 and I actually won the final salvo. Nice. And ever since then, he's just been talking about it. He's just been, every time he plays against me, he will look at my list and he will go, I have I have two more dice than you. That's not enough. Okay, not I need enough. to get three more. <laughs> ever since then, he has been talking about it nonstop. That is something about final salvo. I think it's, it's one of those just really memorable things that just stick with you. It really shouldn't be what we focus on, but yeah. <laughs> it's too fun, I think. When you uh, when you lose this final salvo and you have more dice, um, do we call that getting Olsened? Getting Olsened. <laughs> no, it's it's Nelsoned, but yeah. Nelsoned for sure. All right, perfect. All right, so Senyong, you've given us uh, some great advice here, uh, a real professional opinion on uh, Separatist Swarms. I feel like we've got we've covered our bases now. We had Paul on to talk about it. We had Senyong on to talk about it. And then, Carson, you and I threw in our two cents. So maybe we can actually put this topic uh, to rest for a little while. I think so. Since we have such a uh, fantastic X-Wing player here, uh, Senyong, I did want to pick your brain a little bit just about hyperspace in general because that's really what's on our mind right now. Uh, Carson, John, and I all have the uh, uh, Chicago system open coming up here, which is going to be exciting. So I was just curious if you, what are your thoughts on hyperspace right now? What are your picks for the top tier hyperspace lists? So for hyperspace, I think the strongest faction right now is definitely Scum. We all know that, right? Sure. Um, and one of the most, uh, one of the already top tier lists in Extended last year at Worlds, uh, Boba Fan. It's basically untouched, and the points actually went down by one point because right. of the reduction in point uh, of Slave 1. So Boba Fan is definitely the top tier list that I can think of for hyperspace. Um, another list, I think, uh, that was innovated by... Uh, let me think of the name. Uh, Julian, Julian Hood, right? Julian Hood brought uh, Boba Fan and Nom to... Uh, to system open, uh, in uh, where's that? Uh, Milton Keynes system open. Yeah, I think Julian Hood brought Boba Fan and Norm to Milton Keynes system open, and I think that is also a great list that we can look at for hyperspace. Um, yeah, I played against that one. It's, it's pretty good. You played against that one? Yeah. Uh, not his very really specifically, but yeah, it's a good list. Focho is annoying. Do you think he's top tier? Uh, I think it's pretty good. I. I think I'd put the Separatist Swarms above it, though. But maybe uh -huh. I'm just really biased because I'm just triggered by the Separatist Swarms. <laughs> I don't know. If you're not top, <laughs> if you're not Sep Swarm right now, if you're not Top Swarm, I guess you're kind of in Tier Two automatically. Um, but I mean, Focho can be really annoying. Having eight uh, those Tie FOs out there, like that's just a lot of hit points to chew through, and they have really good dials, so it's nothing to scoff at. Yeah, other than that, I think uh, five A-Wings. Five A-Wings is also quite annoying. Yeah. And it's also a list that is 
largely untouched from extended since worlds last year. So we can count on that to appear a lot in hyperspace. Yeah, and ZZ's a great new addition to that. Oh, ZZ's great. All right, so as a Swarm player going into hyperspace meta, what are you most afraid to see? Right, so as a Swarm player, because of your low initiative nature, you are like you likely do not want to meet high initiative lists with a relatively high ship count. So probably we are looking at beef like 5x wings, 5sf, because they can really initiative kill your droids. Or did I just say droids? Swarm. Your question was swarm, right? But yeah. I automatically assume that swarm equals to droids. So <laughs> same. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, another thing probably is Boba Fan because oh, yeah. Boba is so good against swarms and Fan can just kill one droid every turn. So Boba Fan and Boba Fan Norm. That is another list that I do not want to see as a swarm player. And lastly, maybe Swarm Mirror. Never a fun matchup. Never a fun matchup, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've talked about swarms a lot uh, on this show, and I think the Sep Swarms in particular, obviously. And I think a lot of that is just because that's the one that intimidates Carson and I the most. Um, But that Boba Fenn stuff, clearly a really good list right now. And I mean, Boba Fenn's probably one of the lists that's best tech to deal with the Separatist Swarms, right? Far and away. Yeah, it definitely is. So you've named a lot of lists. So one question I'd like to ask just broadly is, do you feel like the um, X-Wing metagame, particularly in hyperspace right now, since that's the lead format for the time being, do you feel like we're in a healthy metagame? Are there any changes you'd like to see to particular list types or anything? Or do you like the place the game's in right now? Oh, I think you can probably guess that uh, the only complaint I have about the Meta game in hyperspace is Boba Fan. Uh, <laughs> Fair. Other, <laughs> other than that, uh, I think it's uh, generally fine and it's quite healthy because you do see some innovation across all the factions, and you do see ships that are not that were not played before being played right now. So it's quite healthy, except for Boba Fan. Yeah, I think it's it's not even the Fan. I think it's just the Boba. Boba, I think it's a Boba. He's a monster. Maybe. Yeah. But if you think of it, they could have just. Drop Boba from a uh, drop, drop fan from hyperspace and leave Oteroff in, and then people will have to play Boba Oteroff, and that looks less intimidating, right? Sure, yeah. I mean, the Slave One title is particularly good against swarms, yeah. and Boba's yes. already strong against swarms, so that combination is pretty tough. So, what if they drop Slave One from hyperspace? Then Boba fan wouldn't be that intimidating as well. Yeah, and they probably wouldn't be trying to bid to the bottom as much either. Oh my yeah. gosh, yeah. What, 30, 35-point bids? What can you do with that thing? It's crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's why I'm not playing it. I don't want any part of that bidding war. <laughs> Bid is for the weak. <laughs> Use your points, you cowards. <laughs> 200, no fear. <laughs> All right, Senyan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, this was an awesome conversation. I'm just curious, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners uh, before we sign off here? Oh, thank, thanks for inviting me. That was a really great time. Um, Any shout-outs back home? Do I have really anything to say? <laughs> um, I think just shout-out to all the Singaporean players who have played uh, 
X-Wing with me a lot because we really do spend quite a bit of time playing X-Wing and it's really, really fun. And uh, I look forward to our trip to Australia System Open. I think we're going to have lots of great time together. Yep, I will definitely be rooting for you there. We really Thank look you. forward to having you back on the show here. And, you know, once you win that Australia System Open, I think that'll be a great opportunity <laughs> to, to call you back on. Uh, Team I Pacific need a lot needs of you. luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely need a lot of luck on that. Thanks, Sen Young. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much, Carlson and team, for inviting me. Thanks for joining us. Awesome time. Another huge thank you to Sen Young for coming on the show. We really appreciate him taking the time. Uh, It was fun to schedule, too, because we are many hours apart, so our day was just wrapping up when we recorded, and his day was just getting started. Uh, he, he apparently lives in the future. That's right. Um, and you had great advice from the future, of course. You know, he's super modest, but everything he said is just super right on point. Um, of course, just one of the best. So got it. Soak up every word he says. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it, too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Radio TCX. If you like the show, please go on to Facebook.com slash Radio TCX, and you can like our Facebook page. If you want to help the show grow and reach a wider audience, uh, please go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review saying what you like about the show and why others should listen. Um, if you want to support the show directly, please consider going on to patreon.com slash radio TCX and becoming a supporter of the show today. It really means so much to us. And thank you to all of our current patrons. You guys keep the show going. Again, folks, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week probably not about swarms. <laughs>